Yeah, I think we should be good to go. Yes, we are. Okay, so you're going to record a single or two. That's the plan. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. And why remotely? Just so that you don't have to have the expense of... Well, yeah, since Joel and I are, are in two different states now, and he drove up every weekend in June, and he also... It just costs a lot of money. Where does he live? He lives in South Carolina, and so he had to leave his family quite a bit the, yeah. on the weekends. You know, it's it's one thing for me, a single dude, to dedicate a lot of my weekends to that. But you know, when you leave your wife with two little ones Oof. to deal with that every single weekend. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Cheers, mojito. Cheers. What shall we drink to? Um. I can't think of anything witty to, to say. To the queen. To the queen. May she continue to long live. And prosper. Amen. <laughs> yes. Well, that's good. It is what good. is that? That's Wild Turkey 101. Wild Turkey? Yeah, Wild Turkey 101. In honor of Thanksgiving. Oh, that's fair. Do you know, do you know why I have this here? To have it with the bourbon because I told you about because having chocolate you with bourbon. Me about having chocolate with <laughs> bourbon and it's life changing. Isn't it? Okay, yeah, I want a little bit now. It's so good. It didn't dawn on me that those. I mean, they were right next to each other, and I didn't even. Yeah. Um, put two two together. I I never before you had introduced me to the the oh, pairing. Thank you. I would have never. Um, you don't have to eat the chocolate, by the way. I, mean, I just. Oh, no, I'm gonna break off a piece. Yeah, do it, bro. Um. Although it's probably great audio. Crunching and sipping. <laughs> well, yeah, this is a great podcast. <laughs> Super great. Um, is, is the Grace Collective something that you, like, is it a long-term endeavor, do you think? I think so. For, I'm going to address the people listening as if people are listening. Um, and hopefully they are. I hope so too. But uh, some might know you, so I just wanted to let them know what we're talking about. The Grace Collective is your band. Is not is it a band? It is. Okay, it's yeah. collective. Well, okay. So the name is is not a long story, but long story short, uh, that was something Joel mostly came up with. You know, the Grace Collective, and it had a nice ring to it. Sure. I told him it sounded pretty hipster. It does because if you just add collective to anything, then you have a band. But either way, uh, we we had a pretty ambitious goal, and we have already kind of modified it. But what was the original goal? Ten albums in ten years. Whoa! Yeah, because we're like we want to add more to the to the corporate worship world that is reformed and. Biblically sound sure. and singable, and we haven't hit all of those goals all the time with every single song we've written. Sure, but we did three albums in three years. Crazy. It's a lot of work. Oh, dude, I can't imagine. It's exhausting. Yes. It's fun and it's really rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes pinch myself and say, "Wow, I can't believe that this is something that the Lord has allowed me to do." Yeah, but. Almost every time I'm finished with the album, Joel and I both are just sick of it. Yeah. And we, we actually, everyone, while everyone's giving us compliments for the album, we are just... Over we're, it. We're over it. And well, yeah, because you've been playing the same songs for... Yes. How many songs on an album? 12? 
Well, a normal album size is somewhere from 10 to 12. Okay. We did seven songs, no, eight songs for the first album, nine for the next, and then we did technically 13. Okay. Um, but one was just uh, an acoustic version of, of, one, of, the other of one. one of the other ones. And this last album was the Romans album, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite one. Yeah? Yes. Wow. So what, what about it? What, was, what well, made it stand out for you? I liked that... Because the, the other two, correct me if I'm wrong, the other two weren't uh, based on one solitary book of the Bible, were they? The second one was Colossians. Oh. The first one was kind of a smorgasbord of songs that really I had written in the past that Joel and I revisited. Now, the song that we did on Sunday, that was your guys's. Yes. Which one was that? So we did... It was the third one in the Not set. Death Nor Life. Yeah. Which was from the Romans, and we we did plant your word from the Colossians album, all on the oh, same. Oh, there were two of yours on mm-hmm. Sunday. Okay, well, not death nor life is one of my favorites. Oh, in general, God. general like just general Sunday worship, and I didn't realize it was yours. <laughs> that's nice. Uh, yeah, that's got to feel good, right? Well, yeah, no, like that's actually a good thing. Like, yeah, I want people to know that we wrote the song. But yeah, but if your goal is to write, is to contribute to the corporate worship, uh, what amalgam. repertoire repertoire yeah and like that's your ultimate goal then yeah you did yeah there's always that balance between on the one hand you you know our flesh craves the recognition for what we're doing and then there's also the other element of i don't know who said it but just the kind of preach the gospel die and then be forgotten that kind of mindset where you you don't yeah, you're ultimately not living for the praise of man. You're laying up treasures in heaven, and so the what's the what's the place for the praise of man now? Because I don't think like it's not inherently wrong to it's not wrong to enjoy uh, accolades, right? Well, yeah, it it just depends on how far you your take heart it. Attitude, yeah, yeah, your heart attitude. Yeah, your heart attitude. Because it, I always think of. You know, John the Baptist, when his disciples were saying, hey, more people are going over to Jesus and being baptized by him. Right. And he uses the analogy of, you know, I'm just the friend of the groom or, or the, the best man. And yeah. now that the groom's here, you know, the bride should go to the groom. And so he must increase, I must decrease. Um, so that's always the, the heart attitude we should maintain. But... It's okay to receive praise from man. It's just... You have to do it carefully. Yeah, you don't want to... Because you know, pride will take two pendulum swings. One swing will go, yeah, I am really that awesome. Thank you. Yeah, but the other extreme is just as bad, obviously. Well, yeah, and that's the self-deprecation and yeah. almost the compliment fishing. I mean, you can fish in both. One is, tell me more. And the other is, oh, no, no, I'm terrible. And yeah. then, and then they you're want... rejoicing in your own humility. Right. Then they're like, yeah. oh, no, no, you're, you're so good. And you're like, well, you're right. But yeah. I'm just so big. You know? <laughs> right. And the other is just, the middle ground is just say, well, thank you. Thank you. And if you can say it in a way that doesn't come across as condescending or, or though I guess you shouldn't be afraid of what people think, but say, and, and glory to God, I'm so glad the Lord was able to use me to encourage yeah, you. sure. Because this Sunday, someone came up and said, hey, just wanted you to know, your music 
uh, you and Joel's music is uh, like my kids are singing God's truth mm. and they ask to listen to your music and so it's just really encouraging as a parent to know that my kids are having the word of Christ dwell in them richly yeah. through the music you guys put out and in that moment I tried to think of how to respond correctly and I just said well thank you that is very encouraging to hear yeah and I just kind of left it at that yeah well, well there's nothing else to say mm -hmm. yeah so praise a man can be tricky it is. It can be tricky. It is. Can be tricky. It is. Can be. Um, do be. Do. How do. You, how do. Yes. Speaking of praising <laughs> men, um, Daniel's sermon. Mm. So the um, the aspect that I wish that he had gone a little deeper on, but I again, like I told you before we turned the mics on, was that it, it's probably just like it was a helpful thought for me and I maybe it, I mean obviously like it'd be good to go deeper in my own personal study and maybe what maybe it wouldn't have fit in the sermon but um the comparison where it says yeah yeah we're just turning this is the sound quick. of bible pages being turned turned <laughs> and I'm in Romans and I'm still going further into the book of the new testament my book Matthew twenty six. No, no, we were in Second Timothy three. Oh duh, I'm an idiot. Yes, I'm. Sure I'm recalling. Just for the people who who hopefully are listening, some context. Our normal preaching schedule is we're in Matthew. Yes. But the third Sunday of the month, a not Pastor Kenny, Kenny person <laughs> preaches, and it was an elder candidate, and the elder candidates have been in the pastoral epistles, and in particular Second Timothy. So we picked up back in chapter three after about a six month hiatus. It was a six month hiatus. It was a long time. Yeah. Which is fine. Although I do like more consistency. Well, yeah, because you get, you know, you get into the into the sermon and you're ready to to do the next one. And then... It's it's literally like jumping into the middle of a movie mm -hmm. that you you watch the first half and literally you've seen six it before, months ago. Like, yeah. But it's nice yeah. to to be able to be brought back up to speed. Yeah. Anyway. Um, 12 and 13 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I, I wish that he had gone deeper into the fact that, and he did mention it, but the contrast is from persecution to being deceived and deceiving. And the but makes it clear that that's worse. Mm. Like <clears throat> being deceived and deceiving is much worse than being persecuted for living for Christ. Mm. And like obviously you have in mind people who really were persecuted to death or like Paul who they stoned so far that they thought he was dead. <laughs> and yet being deceived or deceiving is worse than that because of the eternal... Uh, weight of the consequence of, of, you know, another gospel, quote-unquote. Yeah, I, I think in general, just going back to the praise of man and with Daniel Sermon, I think Daniel did a, a really good job. Oh, he did a great job. Yeah, he had, yeah. Uh, it was it was to the point, mm -hmm. it had very pastoral applications. And I loved that he went through Psalm 119. Yes. That was a great addition, and I would not have thought to do that. 
And, and I mean, yeah, when you have a cross-reference about God's Word, Psalm 119 yeah. is like the bread and butter. It is. It really is. And it's so full. <laughs> but I, I think, yeah, I, I felt a little bit of, I think if he had more time. Sure. Then... Well, and again, like going in on a, on a specific detail like, like that, I mean, you have to pick your battles, right? When you're doing a sermon, I imagine. I've never propped before, but uh, if you're going to go in on a, on a specific detail, you got to... Because yeah. you could go into a whole lot of things and be up there for well, eight Well, so for instance, like if he had... Like what does he want to dive in on? Like he could have gone on chapter 16 and talking about how the word reproves, how the word corrects, how it trains us, mm. how it teaches us, and how those are all connected but distinct. Sure. But he started at, what, verse 10? And he had a lot. I mean, you could have gone into Paul's aim, Paul's faith, Paul's patience. But he kind of had to do some broad sweeping. So I think he handled having yes. a loaded text well. And with that, I think we're always going to have a little bit of, ah, but I just wish he could have... Oh, yeah. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say it's likely... At least in large part, my own personal like, mm -hmm. you know, you you there are certain aspects of of text, and you're like, ooh, and it just strikes you. But that's a good avenue for personal study, obviously. Right. So maybe maybe Daniel did his job well. He did. Yeah. yeah certainly. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Daniel, okay. I was talking to oh, well, I talk to Daniel every day now because now he works for me. Right. Um. We have been. How do, I, how do I set this up properly without giving it away? Uh, <clears throat> there are two really well-known things that I have mentioned in conversation, and he didn't know what they were, who they were, I should say. What, what, slash who. Um, and I, I try not to be the guy that's like, oh my gosh, you don't know that <laughs> movie or that song, that whatever. To be fair, most of my relationship with you at the beginning of our relationship was you telling me, oh, yeah. you don't know that song? Yeah. that's it's, I say I try not to be that guy. I'm not good at not being that guy. Well, you have gotten better. Have I good? You, you good have. You have. I, I'm just letting you know at the beginning it was mostly, well, Matthew's a music guy. He should know this. And I would, I okay, would feel like wait, I was letting you okay. down like all the time. No, you're not letting me down. But wait till you, till you hear what music guy Daniel didn't know. Oh, my. Okay. I mean, he's a little uh, obscure. Johannes Brahms. He's never heard of Johannes yeah. Brahms? Yeah. I mean, like, I've at least heard that name before. Yeah, exactly. He had no no clue. Anyway, so Brahms, he didn't know Brahms. And I couldn't, like, give you my favorite piece by Brahms, but everyone knows. Mm. No, apparently not. Everyone knows Brahms. So the second one, I, and, the, and I, the reason I'm bringing this up is because he and I were talking about you and I recording this podcast, and I said the first thing I'm going to ask Matt is if he knows who Brahms was, and if he knows what the Doppler effect is. The Doppler effect. It's a name I've also heard, the Doppler. See, is that where, is, that, I'm thinking of radar. Well, Doppler radar is a real thing for weather. Right, because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of Doppler effect where you, you send out something and then it, you receive. So the, do, the Doppler back. effect in terms of sound waves. Yeah. Is, um. Like when a when a car drives by honking its horn. Oh yeah, and the pitch goes down. Yeah, yeah. yeah the the uh, sometimes it makes me laugh hearing the, it's, it's the really, sirens do. Yeah, that. when the sirens do it. It's yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sound like you're uh, 
That's what they always do in movies when someone like gets hit in the head and then they hear like sirens or something. It always they always make it sound. No. Oh. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there's the dazed and confused. Everything's muffled. Yeah, I feel like there's always a siren in the background. Yeah, like or if they get hit in the head, it's a high pitched. Yes. You know, ear ringing kind of thing. Like I am. Did you see I Am Legend? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or any well, any yeah, sort of war movie where like an yeah, explosion a comes through off. the wall and they're yes. like. Oh, and then you hear the sound go, whoosh, and they get back into it. And then, yeah. yeah, well, anyway, so um, Daniel, I guess, will be glad to know that you didn't know what the Doppler effect was right away. Right. Yeah. Right. I and honestly... I, I thought for sure... I thought of Wavy News 10. Wavy News 10? Yeah, because they always had the Wavy News 10 Doppler radar. Oh, yeah. And it would be like, ding, 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 and then it would tell us about, like... Coming... Nature, yeah, coming the weather. storms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And death and... So that's uh, that, when you said Doppler, it, it made me think of, of um, yeah, you know, yeah, Wave News Ten. See, for some reason, I thought everyone thought of the the sound wave compression slash uh, no. expansion. No, I think I think that might be more unique to you. Well, but literally, you've only asked two other people. That's true. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe Daniel and I are just. I told him. He wackos. said he said half the world would not know, and I said that half. is a bold statement. Brahms half. Half? I don't know. Okay. Maybe half of America might not know, but the world? Even half of America. Brahms. I don't know. You'd be surprised. The TikTok generation. I am surprised that Daniel is, didn't. Is, I mean, we're not. Daniel and I aren't in the TikTok generation. We're in like the Vine generation. When does the. Okay. What? Basically, anyone born from 2000 onward is generally part of. Or maybe 2005 onward is more part of. The, the TikTok. TikTok generation. Man. That's strange to me. Yeah. And they're the generation that has grown up completely with, with technology. technology. At least technology that we consider. Can you imagine your generation being defined by TikTok? Oh, gosh. How My sad. generation was defined by, like, classic Disney movies. Ooh. You know? The, the golden age of, like, Aladdin and Lion oh, King. Quality stuff. I mean, like, all of those good things. That was... And also, poor choices in clothing. Like, they just added I, I every think, color. Here's my theory about style, is that every next generation, or maybe two generations, every two generations looks back on the, on the generation two before it and says they dressed like idiots. And I feel like that's a luxury now. I feel like back in the day when everyone had one piece of clothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like you got the general... Oh, man... Yeah, the tunic's out of style. Yeah. Now we're in the tunic. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> nothing changed, but things change so fast now. They do. So, yeah, I think that is a byproduct Pearl of just... Pearlnecks are back in. They are? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you should get on that train. It's a good train. I don't know. No? I don't know. I feel like you could rock a turtleneck. I think it's all about your confidence. Not all, but I don't know. Have you seen? Part. Have you seen The Rock in a turtleneck? Yes, but he's The Rock. That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> it's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, Dwayne. He's certifiably Johnson. like one of the most likable human beings oh, in America. I don't know. I think I don't like him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how much can you like a guy you've never met and That's you, fair. you only see in movies? That's fair. He is. He's kind of the. Uh, he's like what Dave Bautista wants to be. In terms oh, of action yeah, 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 yeah. star and everything. Well, so the thing is, I I like 
The Rock well enough. And then, like, I followed him on Instagram for, like, a week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And it's, like, it just seems so pretentious. His, His whole... Mantra. Persona is, like, pretension. I don't know. But, again, like... How like how much can you know about a person from True. Instagram? Well, he um, speaking of TikTok, there's this TikTok of The Rock actually rapping. Is any good? It's all right. He's got a gravelly kind of voice, so it's it's more like people are just like, "Wow, The Rock did a rap," not sure. necessarily, "Wow, that, that was, was so a, good, so well written." Right. Yeah. Um, and it's all the raps like it's about drive, it's about power. We stay hungry, we devour that's, that's all these things. Much his, uh... And that's his thing. He's like self motivated. I get up before everyone else, and I, he does. And I it's admirable. Every, yeah, he really does. You can't you can't look like that but without doing that. I don't know if this. I'm not gonna actually. I'm not gonna apologize for this. You know what this made me think of the other day? Tell me. So my physique. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think about your physique like all the time. But oh, that, good. This wasn't that. That okay. didn't trigger that this time. The I was in Daniel, and uh, you know Nebuchadnezzar, where he's standing up on his rooftop, and he says, "Wow, look at this! Isn't this Babylon the Great? What I have achieved and done?" And this is a year after Daniel had warned him about the dream he had that said, "Hey, mm. man, if you don't yeah. humble yourself, you're going to become like a beast." Like a beast in the field, bro. And. The, the Rock reminded me of King Nebuchadnezzar, maybe the Ooh. other way around, where The Rock is convinced that everything he has, he has achieved and earned for himself and yeah. himself alone, his empire, his kingdom. Um, and certainly, humanly speaking, he has. But divinely speaking, it's, was, it was given to him by yeah. God. And he hasn't given thanks to God. Correct. Doing that. And the Lord... Can bring up and bring down um and so i don't know that was just a random thing where i was thinking about that and i was like he's like nebuchadnezzar hmm yeah that's good insight i think about that often so i i follow a lot of people on social media like that are you know workout uh uh personalities whatever mm-hmm. and uh i think about that often i didn't ever make a connection to nebuchadnezzar necessarily but uh the, that is that whole um, school of thought, or not school of thought, but that you know th- that way of thinking that of you know I I I'm a I get up man. yeah I get up early and I do this so that I can be great mm-hmm. and like like you said by human standards they are great because they do those things but I always think about like what they're gonna be when their strength fails right. and it will it's temporary yeah. Hmm. And they're going to be nothing. They're going to have nothing. Yep. And fitness is great. And, and you know, wealth and prosperity are obviously good things uh, to an extent. They, yeah, they can be good things. Um, but, yeah, when those things fail, as they inevitably will, you have, you have zero if you don't have Jesus. It's true. Yeah, it is true. Well, there's, there's so much of that in any culture, especially in ours, but the American dream, anything that's hoarding possessions. You know, it's yeah. it's it's even going back to what the Egyptians would do, where they would put all their earthly possessions in the tomb with them because they had to believe somehow right. 
that all, all these have. things you earned, you brought with you. Because otherwise, what, there's no point to life. Yeah, there's no point. Right. And that's really sad. It is sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's the, um, that's the sadness and, and downfall of, well, maybe I shouldn't get into Everything is Marxism. Uh, you know, I was talking with someone today about doing the podcast with you. And, oh, no, really? And I made the joke. I said, you know, at some point. Okay, well, I'm not going to do it. Marxism then. is going to come up. No, I'm not going to. Well, I will, all, I'll say, all I'll say is that Marxism is a strictly materialist ideology. Absolutely. If and material so is all that is, right. so it has to be evenly distributed. Yeah. And, and you're only, you only meet your full potential. Mm. when you have as much as everyone else. Mm. Anyway, that's enough about Marxism. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go down that road. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I don't mean to embarrass you or make you No, I am not ashamed. embarrassed. Okay. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Me but too. It is the power of God. It is. Power of God. Yeah. Yeah. It is. How do we get to the rock and then materialism and Marxism? I and don't know. Here's a, let's change subject. <laughs> Because I don't want to talk about Dwayne anymore. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's a nice guy if you ever met him. Oh, I'm sure he's a very nice man. But, he, like, so I've seen him, like, give addresses to social media. Which, again, we're talking about what you can know from a person from social media. Which probably isn't very much. Um, in one sense. But I think in another sense, it's, you can learn a lot. Anyway... He, 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 like, gives an address to his followers, whatever, mm -hmm. and he'll, like, make a, an offhanded joke and laugh. And it's just, like, this, it seems like the most, the most fakest of laughter. Yeah, it seems forced. Oh, yeah. And it's mm. like, okay, dude, I mean, just, can you have a genuine moment mm. or not? And I feel like he, I, I don't know, maybe some of it is genuine, but I feel like, like, you, you get to a point with someone like that at which they've built themselves up to be this thing and so if they're ever not that thing uh they'll not be followed anymore on mm. twitter or you know yeah they kind of feel trapped somewhat they, though they probably would never admit it or sure or and obviously we're speculating way. yeah yeah we don't know the man's milk to cereal ratio the what Milk to cereal ratio. Oh, the man's milk to cereal ratio. Yeah, I okay. kind of, I kind of mumbled through it. I didn't pronounce I did, it very yeah, well. That's okay. I, uh, I thought it was some very um, involved saying <laughs> that I didn't understand. It's an ancient saying. Yeah, in a different language. No, thy man's milk to no cereal thy, ratio. Yeah. Uh, milk to cereal ratio. I've never had that. Never heard that. Mm. Okay, so how do you feel about um, coffee shops that open at seven o'clock instead of six? Well, you're probably trying to be more considerate to your employees if it's at 7. Mm. And you're probably more interested in getting business if you're opening at 6. That's my, that's my quick take. Mm. But I could be You know assuming. that Grounded doesn't open at 6 anymore? Oh, they don't? Yeah. Is it 7? 7 o'clock. Wow, why? Man, I, they probably did that just to annoy you. Just to be mean to me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Because the coffee shop that opens at 7 o'clock is no use to me. Oh, man. Well, sad. there's no other coffee shop that opens that Do early. you know what I'm reduced to now? <gasps> what? Panera. Panera. Panera, man. You're reduced to Panera? Yes. I had Panera tonight. 
Did you? Yeah, but that's beside the point. You reduced to Panera. I've been reduced to doing my coffee oh. and study at Panera. You know, it's kind of, there are many moments in life where you don't know <laughs> how go. you got there. But you're there. But then you wake up as if and from a stupor. And you Panera. And you realize, I willingly yeah. went to Panera at this hour. There's nowhere else to go. The thing is... But up, really. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. <laughs> because the coffee at Panera is... It's all right. Yeah, I mean it's, and I don't even like coffee, but I know if you're, you're getting coffee Panera guy? coffee, you're probably not doing well. No. Are you okay? Did someone <laughs> I don't hurt you? Know. Yes, <laughs> yes. The ownership at Grounded. Hurt well, me. Um, Grounded has its own things it's going through right now, which is probably why it's I'm opening sure. an hour yeah. later. I I can imagine, and one of the owners dropped out. Oh, and no. so it's it used to be two man show and now it's one man. So it's probably that's it would make sense for me that Well and okay, I know for a fact because I was there every morning at six that their milk to cereal ratio, if you will, in terms of um money to overhead, I- income to overhead from six to seven is not high. It's not, no. Yeah, I'm typically the only one there. Right. And you have like one drink. Yeah. Actually, a lot of times I had two because I would get a Cortado. Have you had a Cortado? I don't even know what a Cortado it's is. That little, it's that little tiny drink. It's like two ounces. It's is it a, like an it's espresso? espresso with steamed milk. But oh, okay. It's just, it's just yeah. like two shots of espresso with steamed milk. It's delicious. Mm. It's wonderful. It's a little kiss in the morning. So, just yeah. kiss. Oof. Um, and then, so after that, I still want to sip coffee. Mm. So I I would typically go and ask for a drip, you know, just regular drip coffee. And like every time I asked, I was hoping that they would be like, oh, it's basically like a refill because you already purchased the. <laughs> but no, they made you pay for every it time. every time. No freebies here. No freebies there. Once once Carlino and McGill quit, I was about to all say, the freebies were gone. Yeah, yeah. I got a handful of freebies. A handful. Yeah, Kenny was. That, uh, doesn't even come close to describing how many freebies I got. Uh, yeah, you know, um, uh, Kenny got the most. For, oh, for and real. rightly so. And rightly so. Yeah. Honor where honor is due. Absolutely. I'd give the man freebies all yeah, day. Yeah, no, I, I, I got some freebies. Yeah, well, good. after our friends left, yeah, they would. so they would charge me. So I had to stop because a Cortado is like $4. Mm. And then the coffee is like two fifty or whatever. Yeah. It becomes silly at a point. It, it does, especially if you're there multiple times a week. Yeah, like every morning. Yeah. The thing is, I don't know. I would like to do it to just make coffee here. But the girls wake up. Mm. And then it's like, I'm not getting anything done. I mean, there will be a season of life where you can pursue your coffee dreams at home. But that just may be like <laughs> 18 years me. from now. Oof. You know, I'm okay with that. And okay. that thought is what drives you to Panera <laughs> at 6 in the morning. That's correct. <laughs> to drink subpar coffee and sit. Here's my other beef with Panera, and then I'll stop talking about Panera. I promise. And uh, Panera faculty and staff, if you're listening, do better. There's nowhere good to sit at Panera. <laughs> except Panera? for the one... No, the one uh, Where do you uh, go to? Well, the one in, in Newport News is actually okay. Okay. 
I, I mean, I, I've gone to the one that's by Coliseum Drive in here. Yeah, so that's where I went this morning. Yeah. And and there's nowhere... So when I sit down in an establishment, I'd like to like be facing the room broadly mm-hmm. and maybe the entrance. Not because I'm paranoid necessarily, but it... I don't know. It just feels... It feels right. Mm-hmm. Especially if I like the people watch. I think most people do. And uh, so that's a, a good vantage point from which to do so. And there's no, like, at the one in Col- at Coliseum, there's no, like, corner that, that it's, has it's a broad... It's kind of weirdly arranged. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I try, to, I try to meet with someone for, like, just kind of discipleship counseling and... Yeah. And to find a nook where you could actually have some semblance of privacy was a little bit difficult. That was today, tonight. That was that was tonight, yeah. yeah. And um, we we found it, but still, it, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. So the one in, um, well, for like privacy or like a a, a slightly um, covert conversation, it's it's not the right spot. But the one in Newport News, there's a table that's facing the the entrance door. And like the foyer, and it's like a line of booths, and it's got a wall right next to it, and it's you know it's it's the, at the right angle. Right, for, right, right. Yeah, but you couldn't have uh, an inconspicuous, or you know you couldn't necessarily. That probably wouldn't be the spot. Couldn't have a heart to heart there, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it it's hard because you can sometimes tell when people are. Not listening, air quotes, as in they are listening. I never even thought about that because I'm not really in that world, but that's got to be annoying. Some, yeah, well, some people, like, if they're there by themselves and they have, it doesn't seem like they're meeting anybody, I mean, what would you do? Yeah. I mean, the temptation at least. Sure. I mean, I would assume, hopefully, that I wouldn't just be eavesdropping, but, like, at some point, the temptation It's would part of the up. whole people watching thing. Right, it's it definitely, is. It's definitely a temptation. It too. is. Yeah. Some people need to learn to be a little bit quieter, frankly. For certain. But it doesn't mean it's like, it's, it's, though it's the same argument as like, well, if you didn't want me to rob the house, you should have locked the door. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's a like, terrible argument. It's, it's not that great of an argument. It doesn't work that way. Right. Thief. Right. So one time I was putting in a dishwasher at a, at like a, a college, uh, what, do you, what do you call it when the girls live together? Not a uh, sorority. sorority. Thank you. Gosh. I was gonna, I, just going to say roommates. A sore house. <laughs> Frat house, storehouse. No. Frat house. That's more. I think that's more like dudes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what's the opposite of yeah, frat sorority? House? Yeah, yeah. Storehouse. We're like beta, gamma, gamma, beta, gamma, alpha, beta, delta. What's the, uh, never mind. Charlie. I was trying to remember the legally blonde one. Beta, beta. I forget. Anyway, you just you made a legally blonde? blonde reference. Yes, I have seen legally blonde. Yeah, it's a reference that you got. See? Yes. So yes. it's worth making. It's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Bend that's and a, snap. Fun. You know. Anyway. Um, and snap. And snap. Anyways. Uh, I was putting in a dishwasher at a sorority house. And um, there were two of the girls in, sitting in the living room. They're probably like freshmen in, in college at CNU. They, they seemed that young. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were talking. Not anything, not anything super deep, I don't think. Uh, but I did. I took my. I was wearing headphones and listening to a podcast, and I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen in for a little bit." Because they were writing, you know. Anyway, so I took my headphones out, and I listened for like three minutes. <laughs> it was like 
have you ever heard someone use like have you heard have you heard like the the youngsters now use the word iconic? I uh, in terms of like I feel like I'm in a spelling bee. Could you use it in a sentence? Yeah, <laughs> like in terms of like uh, any context. It's it was amazing. Oh, I mean that me. was, I mean that was just iconic. It was iconic. Or like oh do you have Professor Myers? He's iconic. Or, it, or yeah, like, that usually means oh, yeah. like he's he's drew through the basketball and it went in the net. It was icon- like okay. like it was a standout moment, yeah. or he's uh, in he's like it was t- it was yeah. it was obnoxious. They just kept butchering put- iconic for you. Oh well, they yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So I put my headphones back in. Well, I was like, like, well, this was not worth it. Well, it's like when people use the word epic. Yeah. Uh, that's been butchered. Awesome has had a grave for it's, there's it's, awesome has been dead. It's for been dead for decades. Uh, forever. Yeah. But it's different words like literally. Literally, literally, I'm not gonna lie. but like there's, but it was, it's like, it's like it be, it has become, uh, a modern, you know, colloquialism for the youngins, mm-hmm. for the youths, for the youths, like that's on fleek, or they say no cap. No, do they say no? What does that mean? Oh, let me teach you, yeah. young sensei. No cap me. means I'm not lying. So if it's, no if someone cap. says cap, that means they're accusing you of lying. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and it's just C-A-P, cap. Cap, no cap. Mm-hmm. And if they say, you want to do that, it'll say bet. I have heard bet because Master mm-hmm. Chief says bet. Yes. Uh, all the time. Right. Yeah, which is, I think it's good for coming, it's, it's, I like it coming from him. Yeah. But he's an old retired Navy guy. Yeah, but he's probably heard it from his sons. I don't know. Okay, because uh, Luis said it all the time and, uh, and uh, Steven their friend, their other friend, mm-hmm. you ever meet him? Once or twice. Yeah. And they were all in the Navy together. And That's I think it was like in the a, Navy. I think it might have been a, at least for them, whatever the, you know, wherever they were posted or whatever, it was a, a cultural thing. There. Yeah. But it makes sense coming from like a retired, you know, black guy in the Navy. Right. But well, I don't know. Like if some, if the girl that kept on saying iconic, they were like, let's go get Ben and Jerry's. And she said, bet. I would. I would yeah. No, you would understand. No. It, you would understand what they're saying. I would saying, understand though, what they're saying. But would but you approve? A, no. Nope. No approval. <laughs> Although, they're, in all fairness to, to the young ladies, there's probably a limited amount of things they could say that I would be like, oh, I approve. <laughs> well, that's very self-aware of you. <laughs> yeah. And I it's appreciate that. <laughs> not necessarily. Doesn't. It's not a good. It's not a. It doesn't reflect well. On my character, but at least it's honest. Yeah, it is honest, and that's that's the first step in the right direction. That's the first step. I mean, I think we're all that way in some ways. Certainly, for different things. For sure. Uh, it's just you have you have a fondness and appreciation for the integrity of the English language. Yeah, and it's probably insufferable to everybody else. Oh no, no. It's not insufferable. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those moments that you would say. Not insufferable, just, just like super annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No. unbearable. I think you give yourself a hard time. Maybe. And I the thing is, I didn't used to, and I was probably a little too cavalier with, you know, the whole "I know words" thing, mm. which is annoying. No one likes that guy. No one likes that guy. That's okay. We still love you. I love you. I know you do. That's why yeah, you're here. That's why I'm here, man. Yeah. Are you leading a Bible study? I am. What are you in? Daniel? No, we're in Judges. Whoa. 
Oh, I did know that. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a response a lot of people get when I say judges. They're like, oh, like, well, are you okay? A... <laughs> like, <laughs> do you need to talk to someone? <laughs> yeah, do you guess or no? Are you all right? Yeah, blink twice if no. I'll be like, yes. I'll be like, cap. I'm just kidding. Cap. Yeah, you're lying. I'm definitely going to start saying that. Um, I'm not going to. I'm going to totally forget. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in judges. Yeah, how's that going? How far are you? We just finished chapter 18. So we have 19, 20, and 21 left. You're, and you're nearing the We are end. closing in. I mean, Thanksgiving. Yeah. At the time of the recording, Thanksgiving is nigh. It is, is nigh. Near. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is. I'm, I really love it. And so we're going to take a break. But uh, Judges as a whole, is, here's the spark notes. Yeah, send it. The whole point is God Jesus. is judge, and we want to be judge. We want to do what's right in our own eyes. Mm. But we need a king who obeys God's commands and teaches God's commands to mm. his people. So the whole book is split into three sections. Prologue, go get the land. Go get him, tiger. They don't do it. They fail. And God warns them about the consequences of that. Judges, part two, or the second section, is all the judges showing the cycle of idolatry, God judging them with a nation coming in, them crying out, God raising up a judge to save them. They get progressively worse. Part three is the epilogue, where you have, starting from chapter 17, you have the religious failure of Israel in 1718, and then you have the moral failure mm. in 19 through 21. So... And it just keeps repeating. In those days, there was no king, and everyone yeah. did what was right in their own eyes. Okay, so uh, for the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. Afterward, the sons of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Uh, obviously, that's after judges mm -hmm. but the whole idea that um the longing for a good king mm -hmm. and the judgment being well so in judges is they're judged one of the, the judgment is a judgment pronounced on them is that they are without king well that is the uh that is the diagnosis of oh the problem. i understand right, so right, 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 right. often the author of judges will preface first just to almost indicate to the reader, by the I way, okay. in these days, there wasn't a king. Right. So this is what the people did. So they did. just did whatever. They, and, and in particular, the kind of king that Deuteronomy 18 says, the king that knows God's law and teaches God's law and helps the people follow, which David definitely did well, but ultimately pointed towards Christ. Sure, of course. Right. So that was more like, and, and sometimes after a, something bad would happen, that phrase would jump in again as if the author was reminding you, and in those days there was no king, as in like, yeah, that's pretty bad, isn't it? Right. Hmm. So uh, then what? What's, uh, what's after Judges? What are you going to do? Do you know? My current idea is to do at least three of like the single chapter New Testament books. Oh, okay. So I want to do like Third John, Mm -hmm. Philemon and Jude. How many single chapter New Testament books are there? 
Aside from that, that might actually be all of them. That's it. That might, so I want to do all, all of them. The single I was going to say, when you said three, I was books. like, nothing else comes to mind. I mean, may, no, even Second Peter is still a couple chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I want to do all of those. All of them. Mm-hmm. And then um, I want to go back to Old Testament again, actually. I was thinking yeah. about doing Jeremiah. Okay. But it's a little much going from Judges, which is very chipper as in not chipper yeah and then going to the weeping prophet of jeremiah where uh he's you know he's not only preaching to israel who is just plunging headfirst into oblivion but it's right as everything is about to to end like babylon is circling in and no matter how much he preaches to them their hearts are still hardened and they say all these false prophets are coming up and saying, no, nah, man, those exiles that first left, they're coming back. We're entering the glory days. And Jeremiah, I mean, at one point, he's lowered into a well with no water left to die. I don't remember this. It's, I mean, Jeremiah shows um, shows just how much, I mean, like God's people can suffer even while being obedient mm. to the Lord. Um, and yet the Lord maintains his promise to Jeremiah, which he said at the beginning, which he says, listen, they'll raise their hands against you, but my hand will be stronger and I'm going to keep you. So even when Jeremiah is at literally and physically and emotionally his lowest, right. God raises him quite literally out of the pit. Oh, wow. You know, which is really cool. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Jeremiah's story is, is incredible. And I mean, lots of sorrow. Yeah. Lots of sorrow, but also hope. I I really enjoyed. Um, so we did First Samuel. How long has it been? It must have been last year. It's hard to remember. Every COVID was this when you were still at the Edwards yeah. Old House? No, 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 no. That was First Samuel. I was never at the Edwards Old House for Bible study. I saw you there once. The one in Hampton on King Street. Negative Ghost Rider. I. I mean, I've been to that house to help him move, I think. But for Bible study, never, oh. not once. Okay. All right. I think I, I remember seeing you. you. I, I might be lying to you. I The thing is, I have a distinct memory, but I yeah, could be wrong. I think there was cake and I was there. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe once. And it was when Jeremy was still leading. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Good old days. <laughs> um, May I have? A little bit more. Oh, please, absolutely. Help yourself, sir. Thank you. Back and forth for you if you like. Awesome. Just know that. Yeah, that's perfect. That might have been a little. That's okay. I'm just a much tinier human than you are. That is true. And uh, so. Well, you don't have to drink. Feel. Do not obviously. I will not feel feel obligated. Obligation. I I feel fine. So, I also have my hot chocolate. You have your hot chocolate. Um. Anyway, my point is. for whatever reason, I think it's way more common for Bible studies to be like, yeah, let's go through, uh, you know, First Corinthians or usually New Testament stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just my own. Maybe that's just anecdotal. Well, my experience was similar. Yeah. Well, so mostly going New through, Testament. yeah, going through First Samuel a couple years ago or whatever it was. I guess that's more probably three, over the cor- three years ago. Well. I seem to recall because we because it was at Garrett's house. I remember going through 
It can't have been three years. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. My point is, I've really enjoyed Old Testament study. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that that uh, I've done really in, in in the past in terms of like Bible study or even personal study. Oh, yeah. And then now we're doing Hosea in our uh, Thursday night study. Can I mention something that's related to Judges from Hosea? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Yes, of course. Please. There's, I think it's in Hosea 9 um, where it mentions something terrible about like in the days of Gibeah. Okay. Right? It's just like the days of Gibeah. It's like Hosea 9, 9 or something. I don't remember. Uh, somewhere in like 9 Man, or 10. you got a good memory. Um, it was only because I read it in a commentary that mentioned it. Um, but in the days of Gibeah, you know what that's referring to? No. It's referring to Judges 19. When that chapter is basically Sodom and Gomorrah revisited. Oh. So you have Genesis 19 with the whole chapter where you have the two angels going down to Lot. And yep. the whole town, well, they're in the town square. Lot finds them and says, oh, you probably shouldn't be in the square. He takes them in and then the whole town rises up and wants to sleep with these angel men. Right. And Lot's like, yo, bro, No. Negative. And then they're, the man are struck with blindness, and then Lot and his family are rescued. All that. Well, in Judges 19, in Gibeah in particular, there was a Levite. He had a wife, who, or a concubine really, who ran away. He goes and finds his concubine in Bethlehem. And then on his way back to Ephraim, he stays the night in Gibeah, but no one in Gibeah took him in, as opposed to when he was in Bethlehem. Mm. Like, he actually almost, the guy almost wouldn't let him leave in Bethlehem. That's the contrast. In Bethlehem, the guy was almost a little too pushy with his hospitality, and eventually he leaves, but then he's in Gibeah, and no one takes him in. He's in the town square. Then another random guy, not even from there, but he is visiting, takes him in, having a grand old time. Then the men of, of uh, Benjamin get up and say, we want to be with this Levite. Hmm. And the dude's like, no, don't do such a vile thing. Here, take my virgin daughter and the concubine. And the Levite says, yeah, that's a great idea, and forces them out there. They ravage her all night until until daylight. And as the dawn's breaking, they leave. She makes her way back to the door and basically collapses dead right at the foot of the door. Hmm. He opens the door and just tells her to get up. It's time to go. Like, that's it. She doesn't, so he puts her on the donkey, covers her up, then chops her up into 12 pieces and sends her to the 12 tribes of Israel and says, hey, and he, he omits some details. He doesn't say exactly what happened, but basically, the men of Benjamin did something terrible here, and uh, y'all need to think about what we need to do. And then they end up fighting Benjamin and almost wiping out Benjamin. And then they have to find a way to give wives to the remaining men of Benjamin so the tribe of Israel doesn't die. die yeah. Like, this is crazy. But that's what Hosea 9 <laughs> is referring to. The days of Gibeah. It's basically new Sodom. And this is Israel. Right. This is God's people. God's people. That's what, yeah, that's... Isn't that crazy, it's man? dark, man. It's... It is dark, and yet God remained patient and faithful. Well, yeah, the end of the end of Hosea 
So nine, uh, chapter nine, verse nine. Just since you mentioned it, uh, well, I guess to go to eight. Ephraim was a watchman with my God. That's uh, for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, Ephraim, and correct me if I'm wrong. Ephraim is is a name that Hosea uses for the Northern Kingdom. Yes, yes, a and sometimes Jacob as well. Yeah, <laughs> I think once. Well, yeah, it that usually Ephraim is northern Israel because Ephraim was also one of the bigger Tribes. territories, and oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. where Damascus was, I think. Okay. Anyway, uh, Ephraim was a watchman with my God. Was it Damascus? I don't know. What was the capital of of the northern? Kingdom? Anyways, your point. Continue, my friend. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But either way, Ephraim. Uh, Ephraim was a watchman with my God, a prophet. Yet the snare of a bird catcher is in all his ways, and there is only hostility in the house of his God. They have gone deep in depravity as in the days of Gibeah. He yep. will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Um, and then the end of Hosea. Yep, I should have uh, made sure I could actually find, <laughs> find the passage before I did this. Insert cricket noise. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Well, he says, how can I forget you, Ephraim? Right, so he uh, says he's going to punish, but at the same time... And he does punish. Right. Obviously. But the last word is one of, is one of redemption. I guess I can go to um, chapter 2. And the, and the love song God sings to his bride. Of course, I'm going to have to peruse a little to find it. That's okay. Yeah, it is. I mean, Therefore, I behold, yeah. I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Mm. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, mm. as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi, which means husband, and will no longer call me Bali. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. Mm. In that day, I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, blah, 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 blah. Uh, my favorite is, is verse 19. Um, I will betroth you to me forever. Mm. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. Mm. And like that's right on the heels of a pronouncement of of name name your children uh, no mercy, and you are not right. my people. And that's what's so astounding. I mean, I think we. We become used to it and we come to expect it sure. from the Lord. But I mean, that is astounding kindness to to have any kindness towards Israel where yes. you have the punishment. And then he says, yet I will speak kindly to her. I will woo her. And, and all these things where that's some of my favorite parts of the Old Testament where you see that stark contrast where on the one hand, yeah, Israel is getting exactly what it deserves. Mm -hmm. And then Israel is getting exactly what it, what it doesn't, doesn't deserve. What it doesn't deserve. Yeah. Only because God made a promise for his namesake with Abraham. Yep. That's the 
only reason Israel... And he swore by himself. Right. Because there was no one else. Right. No other name by which he, to swear. he can't lie. There's no, one, There's no, no higher one. thing he can swear by. Right. And, and so, so that's... I only mention he swore by himself because, like, all... We'll, we're never going to uphold our half of a bargain. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that the promises are kept is because they're, they were sworn by God right. to himself. Well, one of my favorite things, even speaking of that contrast, I was in Daniel the other day again, and you know, Daniel, um, he reads about Jeremiah's prophecy that in 70 years Israel will come back. But what I think that does for Daniel is remind Daniel of all the sins of Israel, of why they were even in exile in the first place. Because he goes into this huge, long confession of his sin and Israel's sin and their guilt and how they didn't follow God's law, which is funny because one, he's like, yeah, we're going back. But no, he's just reminded, oh, yeah, that's the reason we're in exile, isn't it? It's our sin. Then right after that, an angel, Michael, comes, and the first thing that he, he says to Daniel, or one of the first things that he says to Daniel, is he calls Daniel, who is greatly loved. Mm. Right after he's confessing all of his sin, he's rightly acknowledging, I, we got exactly what we deserved, and honestly, we deserve more. The angel reminds Daniel that he is greatly loved by the Lord. And that hit me. I was like, in Christ, that's true that's of me. That's a thing. It's because of Jesus. Right. I was thinking about that. Um, oh, shoot, what there was a context? But to, I, was, I was reading about God's love for his people, and the thought struck me that the only reason God's love for his people is, is uh, uh, just is because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I forget. I cut you off. You were saying. Well, to piggyback off of what you were saying, right? The only reason that God loves us is ultimately, well, because He is love, but also because He looks at us and sees Christ's righteousness. Gotta go, ahead, Henry, real quick. Yeah. One second. I'll be right here. Okay. I'm assuming then we're probably gonna, you know, edit this. Yes. I'm going to figure out how to do that and do it. Okay, I'm back. Having performed my duties as a dog owner. Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. So we were talking about, like, God's love, right? Yes. Those people. Anyways, it, it always astounds me, speaking of God's love, to think about the Jesus prayer in John 17 where he says the same I want them oh, to yeah. be one even as we, as we are, are one. one and the love that we have had speaking of him and the father from the from beginning eternity. I want that love to be in them and for them that like when I really sit down to think about it the same kind of love that the trinity has for itself, yeah. is now, because I am united to Christ, directed towards yeah, me. Yeah, you're, you're, you share in that, in that love. Like, I can't fathom Mm-mm. that kind of love. 
yet I am now a participant in that love. And really was a recipient of that love before the foundation of the world. Yes. In love we were predestined yeah. for adoption as sons. It just... So like when I read in Daniel, one who is greatly loved, even Daniel, in the grand scheme of eternity, being predestined by the Father to be united to Christ, though he had faith in the types and shadows of Christ. Right. But still, Christ. Yep. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's pretty excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I thank God often, like when I pray with Eva at night, um, or when I pray with, with the family in general, like I often thank him for the love that he's given us to share. Mm. That's one of my... Unpack you know, that. Pretty... When, you, when you mean... Well, like... I don't know. A lot of parents don't love their kids. And the only reason I love my kids well at all um, is because I've been enabled to by the by the spirit who, who dwells in me. Mm. So, like, my love for my kids, which... As far as I, um, as as far as I, as far as is my attempt is a is a godly love, right? Um, that's a love that's 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 uh, compelled and and given to me by God through His Holy Spirit, and I'm grateful for that. Because it didn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Like God mm. didn't have to. Like you're saying, like in love, He predestined us from the foundation of the world. He didn't have to do that. Mm. And I think that, you know, my love for my children is part of that for sure. And obviously, there are there are people who don't know Jesus who love their kids. Um, but it's not a a love that attempts to to reflect God's love for His children at least not a conscious not consciously right yeah and so so like when i when i pray in in gratefulness for the love that he's given us to share i mean that i'm grateful that we love each other at all and that mm. my children will grow up knowing that their father loved them when as soon as as soon as i knew that they were a thing in marie's belly in marie's mm -hmm. womb i loved them right and before they ever did anything right or wrong, you loved them. Yeah, exactly. And mm. and I will always love them. And like that's a beautiful thing. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm just I'm just so grateful that that that's my reality. That God has allowed that. And my children love me too. You know, like I pick up Millie when I come home, and she, you know, snuggles her little head against my mm -hmm. my chest and pulls on my beard and. She likes when I'm there. Yeah, I don't know. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing, and it doesn't have to be that way. That's a thing, right? Uh, it's part of even though our image is marred because of sin, we're still image bearers. Yeah, we reflect, we reflect God in that way, which is awesome. Yeah, and having been redeemed, I have a, a deeper understanding of yes. of that, and mm -hmm. I'm able to love my children. I'm going to use the word intentionally, even though it's overused. I can love my children intentionally um, in a way that will Lord willing. Maybe just with greater awareness. Yeah. 
in addition to the intentionality. Sure. Yeah. Being being aware that that it reflects on a higher level mm-hmm. my Redeemer's love for me mm-hmm. and my Father's love for me in my Redeemer. Yeah. It's a. I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's gonna be. Hmm. There's a book that I have still yet to read that I would, I keep hearing is wonderful. It's called Delighting in the Trinity. Yeah. I hear wonderful uh, things. Uh, who? No, never mind. I'm thinking uh, The Forgotten Trinity by uh, um, White. Who, who wrote? The, who? I, I can't. Is it Jonathan Lehman or something? Uh, no, that's a different book. He wrote One Assembly, I think, um, which is a book about, it's, it's for... Uh, or more, it's for church planting and less and, and against multi-service. Um, but multi-service? Anyway, yeah, multi-service churches. Um, what is that? Oh, oh, yeah. I yeah, understand. like, you know, you have your 8 a.m. and right. then your 10.30 or whatever. I understand. Um, but the, I feel like I've already read the book, and I know that's presumptuous so i probably and arrogant and arrogant you fool but from what people tell me about it is the simple reality of like you know god um god had everything in himself self-sufficient everything that he could ever want he did not create because he felt lonely he did right. not create because he needed to instead creation was an overflow of the love that the trinity had for itself right a holy intense co-eternal coexisting love that the father the son and the holy spirit had for each other where from that they chose to create and have others to experience that love though they are complete yeah without it and so that's why kind of getting to your point that's that's why we love because we reflect yep. our creator who is love in and of himself in the three distinct persons of the Holy trinity Spirit. yet one yeah it's a beautiful thing to be a part of yeah yeah it's pretty cool it's pretty cool man it's to understate it it is pretty cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty neat <laughs> the understatement of the century it's that's cool something that we will never plumb the depths of no, and not. continually have our minds increasingly blown by every night so every night i do catechism with eva and part of it which is, that's awesome thank you for doing that that's oh, encouraging to hear good I'm yeah glad. praise god yes praise god it's great i love it it's one yeah. of my favorite things about being a dad um but so one of the things is you know i ask her who the redeemer is she says jesus and i ask her which part of the trinity is jesus she says the son. I say, oh, dang, she's learning that. Oh, uh, yeah. She can tell you what the atonement is and what Woo! Christ undertook in the covenant of grace. Wow. Yeah. She's getting good. She's... She knows more. At... How old is she now? She just turned four. Just turned four. She knows more. I, I started learning that stuff when I was 16. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I grew up in a, in a decently solid church. I mean, the gospel was prot on Sundays and discussed. Prot? Yes. I refuse to say preached, except for I just did. That's one. Is prot the past tense to preach? You won't find it in a dictionary, but I think it should be. <laughs> I, I almost corrected you earlier because you said that I. What? How did you? How did you phrase it? I have a, a an undying love for the proper 
use of the English language or something like mm -hmm. that. I disagree with that. I think I have an undying love for the pragmatic use of the English language. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So I think preached is silly. Or that was um, delivered? Sure. Uh, anyway, we can talk about that in a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but she said, so, so uh, I ask her, which person in the Trinity is Jesus? She says, the Son. And I say, is the Son God? She says, yes. I say, is the Father God? She says, yes. I say, is the Spirit God? She says, yes. How many gods are there? She says, one. Ooh. And every time it blows my mind. It's like. That's so cool. Yeah, every time I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> but but it's a beautiful truth that like I'm called to believe and yeah. to take solace in. Mm -hmm. Because the rest of it doesn't work if that's not true. And it's so cool to see even just the the hints and the gleamings of it, even in Genesis where it says, Let him, let us let us, let us make man in our own image. Make man in our own image. And yeah. you're like, Whoa. And then you even read John 1. John 1. Right? Beautiful. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He and, was with God in the beginning. Right? No one has seen the Father, but if you've seen Christ, you He has made Him God. known. Yeah. Like, or even um, near the end of John, when all the disciples are like, show us the Father, and it's enough. And Jesus is like, listen. Yeah, bro. Haven't, have I not been with you long enough? Where have you been? Right? We're like, if, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1, he is the exact imprint and radiance of his nature. Yeah. Or imprint of his nature, nature the radiance of the of glory, glory of God, God right? Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I feel like... Uh... And of does course... It, does Ephesians 1 mention the Trinity? Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 is quintessentially like Trinitarian. Okay. It talks about being predestined by the Father to be united to Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. The first 13 verses, man. No, dude, Ephesians 1 is the money. It is the money. If you ever sang the song by Sovereign Grace, uh, Come Praise and Glorify? I don't think so. Come Praise and Glory. Anyways, it might be copyrighted. Anyways. Yeah, don't do that on my podcast. So You're going to get me sued. It was only like a half a second. It was. Um, but that's based off of Ephesians 1, oh, okay. 1 through 13. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with someone who's like sympathetic to the reformed uh, point of view, but not quite. And I was like, and he's a he's a pastor, and I said, and I would love to hear you exposit Ephesians one. Mm. I was like, it it I yeah. Anyway, that's what the also thing. before you jump in, just total total side note. Yes. Um, one thing that I love about the New Testament, and in particular Ephesians here, is you don't hear often the term Christian. Mm. Um, you, you hear in Christ. Yeah. Union with Christ. Identity being in Christ. We are united to Christ, in Christ. And even the letters to those who are in Christ, that's something we miss these days. I think so. But anyways, as we go through and you make your point, I just also love how many times you say in Him, in Christ, in Him. Just over and over and over and over. I say that? No, no, no. Paul oh, does. Oh, 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 yeah. Paul does. Yes. Yep. I was like, I don't think I've said that that many times. This. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Um, I mean, we don't have to read all of Ephesians one, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to find specifically mention of. So verse three does the Father. Three, yeah. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, which is the Son, and blessest in Christ. So we have the Father and the Son. 
And then... Adoption, he predestined us to adoption through Christ. Right. But then if you get down to uh, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the oh, promised yeah. Holy Spirit, yeah. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Yeah, man. So you, you have verse 3, which says, listen, this is what God has predestined us to be in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And by the way, the Holy Spirit also just is the guarantee that all that God has predestined us to be in Christ and to attain in Christ will actually happen. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I like Ephesians 1. Mm-hmm. Someone has it on their license plate. I think. I have a roommate who has Romans, like, 9 on yeah, his license plate. Yeah, that's a common plate. one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God's sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah, we're I Calvinist. will tell everyone. Oh, <laughs> oh we got a stoplight. God's sovereign over the stoplight. Anyways. It's true, he is. He is. Yeah. Yeah, but calm down though. But calm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But I feel like anyone who who's initially like quote unquote awakened unto well, so theology, I, like we, Romans nine. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's so money. It is. It really it's is. So it hits so hard. When uh, so when we started going to RCF, I was like, I, yeah, when we started going to RCF. I was like, I was already kind of in the Reformed thought pattern to an extent. Um, and then obviously being in RCF sermons and studies and uh, drinking bourbon with uh, friends, <laughs> you know, it's it everything, which is a beautiful thing about RCF and I love it. Everything there reinforces the idea. It's a high view of God church. It's a mm. uh, community. Yeah. I mean, I say church in the true sense of God's people gathered. Right. Uh, it's a high view of God church. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously that's what what uh, Calvinism is. That's what Reformedum is. But um, so initially I was like, I was so like, I don't know. If someone asked me if I was a Calvinist, and people did at RCF, I'd be like, I mean, yeah, I guess, but like, I don't identify. You know, I, I don't know. I try to talk around it for everyone. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be that guy. But dude, I'm so bought in. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's hook like, line and sinker, yeah. dude. Are you a Calvinist? Yep. Yep. And I mean, I sure am. Let's talk about what that means. Well, right. But like, because people have their own ideas. Yeah, and and oftentimes the idea of a Calvinist is wrong. Right. Probably more times than not. At least if they're concerned about it. Well, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. From the outside looking in, most of the time, right. people's idea of Calvinism is... Is cold-hearted, yeah. super-Calvinist, yeah. or hyper-Calvinist. Like, Calvinist. yeah. Right. Don't share the gospel. God will because just zap no people point. saved. Yes. Yeah. Um, which obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but to be clear for posterity, that is not what we believe. Uh, but yeah, like now if someone from RCF or someone that I meet at RCF where I haven't talked to that much, like, I'm a completely, like, my, my response to that question is completely different now. Yeah, and and I think it evolves over time, at least for me it did, where initially it was, I'm a Calvinist, and this is, and particularly it was in regards to, I was referring to soteriology, the order of salvation, yes. right, and you get into, like, tulip, mm-hmm. and, and all of that, and that's great, but 
the more that I stay a Christian <laughs> by God's grace yes. and I read God's word and I, I grow in understanding by his Holy Spirit, it, it, it becomes less about I'm a Calvinist and more about this is, this is just what I believe God's word says. Yeah. It becomes more yeah. about the authority and inspiration and infallibility of God's word and and less about something I want to hit you over the head with. Yeah, it's which is the like, annoying part of Calvinism. Right. It, it's more like, I don't know how you can read God's word consistently, right? let alone faithfully, I have a, and not see it. Yeah, my uncle in North Carolina, Uncle Tom, uh, I'm sure he won't mind me. Uh, name dropping, but um, he's a super solid guy. He's a he's a pastor, at least a associate pastor or something at a, at a church in Carolina. Um, but he said, uh, with reformed tradition, there are difficulties. Theologically, there are difficulties. Um, like what? Well, so hold on. So the rest of the quote. The, the whole quote is... Oh, sorry. sorry yeah, sorry. yeah. With Reformed uh, theology, there are difficulties. With anything else, there are impossibilities. And I thought that was really good because, like, there are things that you wrestle with. Um, and my, I'm drawing a blank. Like, I've, I've thought about... You're talking about, like, those almost paradoxical things. Like, God's Well, sure, like, in Hosea, even, you know, uh, he says, you are, not my, you are not my people and I will not be your God ever. Uh, well, I don't have it up anymore. Um, he says, not that I, I would never, and I will never forgive them. And then ten, five verses later, he's saying... But he's like, but how could I forget you? And yeah, how can I forget I, you? I, I, I will yeah. betroth myself to you in faithfulness <laughs> and justice. It's like, that's a difficulty. You have to wrestle right. with that. Or like right. in Genesis, where, or in, not just Genesis, but there's several places in, in the Bible. One of them being in Genesis, I forget where, where it talks about God changing his mind. I mean, it... Uh, God regretting? Yeah, regretting I mean, like that he Saul made them. I like Saul first... Oh, so that's so, Genesis 6. 6, okay, yeah. Yeah, with the flood. Um, anyway, the point is, yes, there are certainly things to be wrestled with theologically um, with, a, with a Reformed understanding, mm. with, a, with a Calvinistic or, or uh, uh, sovereign grace uh, understanding of Scripture. Right. But if you... If you drift from that high view of God, that view of God that says God is sovereign over all things, namely the salvation of His people, right? You're you're screwed. You're you're. Yeah, and well, and I think the the longer that, or the the more I dove into to reform theology, and even I think with anything, when you initially become really passionate about it, like you cool down a bit, and you oh, yeah, become sure. less cage stage. But there's also the reality of um, it's okay to disagree on certain tertiary, Absolutely. secondary things. Yes. I mean, that's why we have different churches. and and That's why Presbyterians aren't the enemy. Well, right. Or even Arminians. Sure. Right? Ar yeah. I, I have uh, my childhood best friend and his family, I, and I think this is what softens me to it, or even being a worship leader and then meeting other worship leaders in the area who... Not everyone in the area, like they're not reformed, sure. But seeing their heart that they they love Christ and they want to serve God's people, it there's certain there's certain people that 
yeah, I wouldn't want to get have them get up there and preach certain passages because we would disagree on the interpretation. But if it was just, if I could have someone in a hostile against Christianity area, oh, yeah. you'd want those guys. I would want this person or that person right. because I knew that they would preach the gospel and be unashamed, right? Right, and and know that God was was with them. Those were the those were the kind of people, and I would choose them over other Calvinist friends that I have. Sure, and that's a perspective oh, yeah, absolutely. that that I wish more people had. Not to say that wow, I've got it all on, uh, on lockdown here, but like one thing that I've had to have my heart softened to was that I'm a jerk sometimes yeah. about being reformed and Calvinistic, and I need to understand that I don't have everything figured out. No, certainly not. It's e it's easy with anything. I mean, even if you're the other side, I I feel like it doesn't get labeled as such as often. But anytime you are convinced of what you believe as absolutely true, it's you know the inclination is to say is to be you know cold and. No, you're wrong. This is what you know. This is what it is. <laughs> I I'm grateful that I, I'm I missed the cage stage to a large degree, mm. because like I said when we started RCF, it was almost like so I'm fairly, uh, uh, contrarian by nature in general, mm. um, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, sometimes I guess it can be, but so like at our when we started going to RCF, it was like yeah, all these, you know. Proud, proudly Calvinist Calvinists, mm. and uh, yeah, I'm a Calvinist, but I'm not gonna. But I'm not gonna make a big deal doing. about yeah, it. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 And so, so maybe I mean, I say I'm glad I missed the cage stage, and I think I did largely, because um, even so, when I when I realized that I was fully bought in to the idea that that God saves, the end. Uh, <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say that with humbleness. Yes. <laughs> I say that humbly. <laughs> no, uh, when I realized I was bought into that, I think I was, yeah, I'd already, I'd already decided I didn't, uh, I, I, what was it? I don't know. I'd already, I'd already missed the, I'd already been contrarian to the, to the people I saw as cage stage. And so I wasn't about to go there with it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure people, I'm sure people that I know that I've talked to and whatever would, would would label me cage stage even now. But uh, it's probably just because he asked questions. Well, and I am confident that I will say your proper... your personality is different from mine in that you aren't you're you're very comfortable, like you said, just being contrary, not to be mean or to be annoying annoying or that you, you sometimes it's that sometimes but not all the time sure. and, and you're you're certainly just like well no okay i hear what you say but i believe this yeah and for people like me that like i just want to kumbaya it's all sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. all all of a sudden I'm like oh no we don't immediately <laughs> agree you, on you everything saw, have you seen toy story i'm assuming yes i've seen toy story uh when uh i think it's woody and buzzer They've recently met or something, and they're having they're having it out. Anyway, they try and get Rex into it, and he says, "Well, yeah, no, 
I don't like confrontation. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I'm Rex. Excellent. Where if the moment we ha might have any sort of disagreement, that equals tension, sure. conflict, rather than, okay, well, you can disagree yeah. and still be... And I've grown in that, but for people like me, that that's not my initial reaction your, yeah, to yeah. be like, well, let's just be cool and logical about this. It's more like, I want to be your friend and I want you to like me yeah. and you don't agree with me, so what are we going to do about it? Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. Calvinism I, can have that effect on people. Sure, absolutely. Well, like I said, like any any uh, absolutist claim, I think typically has an effect like that mm -hmm. on people. And it intimidates people when you make a claim that kind of confronts them that maybe they might be wrong. And anytime someone yeah. does that for, for me, I feel that tension too. I'm like, you're, you may not know it, but you're making a statement that implies that I'm incorrect. That I'm incorrect. Yeah. That's tough. I like, so I, I, I meet with Kevin and Garrett re relatively often, and we have a joke uh, that I always uh, give an opposing argument to whatever Kevin says, and I concede later on. <laughs> because wait, wait, like, wait, what do you mean by that? Well, so like there have been, I don't know how many topics of conversation that have come up where Kevin will say something or you know make some kind of absolutist claim or or whatever and uh i i will oppose him uh you know rhetorically or in conversation mm -hmm. and then like months later i'll be like so i've been thinking and i think you're right you'll say that to kevin yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. and i end up conceding all the time and the huh. joke is that my my concession the the gap between opposition and concession is is getting progressively smaller <laughs> because i'm realizing that like ah there's no yeah, he's probably i have no pride yeah. left. i have nothing to prove <laughs> you have been whittled down the one of the first one was one of the first ones was public school versus homeschool because i was a public school kid and uh i think it was good for me i know it was good for me like there's a lot of things that right you know that yeah i can um, see that yeah um and we we started gary and kevin and i started meeting you know, together a, a, long, a long time ago, when we, years ago. Anyway, one of the first things was him talking about how public school is, you know, it is Satan. He literally say it's <laughs> sending your kid to Caesar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it is well. So, and and this is before I had kids, mind you. Eva wasn't born yet. I don't think she may have been just born. Anyway. I was talking to him and like defending that proposition of sending my kids to public school. Uh, and now it, it didn't take too terribly long. I don't know when, when I realized that like the Academy is poison. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would never, I would, I'm not going to send my kids to public school, especially with like stuff that I see in the news now. And like the recent stuff with uh, whatever that County was in Virginia recently. Um, with the yeah all that stuff um, but so that was like one of the first things and then it was Tim Keller and then it was I forget what but every time it's something I always there's and, and that time of, of contention actually shorter and shorter and shorter yeah like yeah. we were we were at breakfast the other day and he said 
Ah, I don't remember. It would have been funny. It would be funny if I could remember. <laughs> but it was like literally two minutes. And I was like, yeah. Actually, you, I think you, you're right. You might. Oh, I remember what it was. So this is an interesting one hmm. to uh, pick your brain on. Um, so if we define hate properly as in terms of defining it as God hates, uh, are Christians to hate uh, enemies of God? Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna forget which. Um, I think it was. It's a fascinating question. It is, and I said no initially. Be curious to understand what you define hate as well, so, more clearly. Yeah, if I, I'd have to pretty much have the have the verse that he referenced to make any steel man of his argument. Shoot, I thought it was. Immediately, my brain goes to Romans twelve. Okay. Right, he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, and hold fast to what is good. So he says, abhor what, not necessarily who is evil. Mm-hmm. Love one another with a brotherly affection, outdo one another, join love, all these things. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I don't understand how you can yeah, so I couldn't, hate someone <clears throat> yeah, and bless I, them I, at the same This time. is one of the ones that... Unless I'm un- misunderstanding what you mean by hate. Well, and that's what I was trying to get from him was... Man, I wish I remember which, uh, which psalm he referenced. Also note that your friend you're talking about, Kevin, here, is also very black and white. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. for him, it's... Gray is an area for him that he doesn't usually land well, and, on. Well, and to his credit, like, he, he's not, he's certainly, he, like, and we talked about it some, and he's certainly not saying we. I say your friend. He's my friend, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know yeah. Uh, he certainly wasn't arguing that um, we should mistreat or, or act um, indecently towards people who hate God. Um, but, like. Uh, some I, I don't know. It's, it's almost silly to talk about it if I can't find the, the passage that he was referencing. Mm. But if you can imagine, like, a righteous anger, like defining hate as, how would you define it? Uh, righteously and in a God-fearing, in, in a, man, I don't even know how you define it. It's silly for me to even have brought it I up. know that this probably isn't it, but initially my brain is going to hate the sin, not the sinner. I yeah, know that's well, probably not what you're talking about, but it feels, but I'm missing a ton of context. Yeah, shoot. I wish I could. So there's, this reminds me of, um, is it in Galatians that talks about take every thought captive to Christ? Yes. Uh, uh, let's see. Paul's concern. Christ has set us free, obligated. You're running well. Uh, let's see. Patience. Burns. Shoot. 
because uh, there's also, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and powers. That's Ephesians 6. Yeah. Right? So... How does that apply? In the case of if there's someone mm. physically who is perpetuating some evil... So the verse that, that, he, that he used was specifically, I think it was David, saying something like, do I not hate those who uh, hate you? That's the that's the that's a distillation of of the idea. Oh yeah, I I'm not sure if I have a fully formed argument. Or yeah, opinion, and I didn't. We didn't talk about but, it too deeply, but the but it depends. So so on the one hand, do you take the stance? Because I I don't want to make an immediate call on that because this is a fascinating question. It is. On the one hand, we aren't geopolitical Israel anymore. 139. Sorry. Right. So there there was an there was a element of the Old Testament where David, King David of Israel, the nation, had real political actual enemies. Though those he's talking about those who hate your law, which could just be generally applied to anyone. Yeah. But at the same time, there were real physical nations with flags that yeah. he could say as God's geopolitical people I'm going to hate these people and fight them and I'm going to conquer them and kill them and kill them. Yeah. In Christ, who is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that all the nations shall be blessed, mm -hmm. there was always intended that it wasn't going to be one nation against all nations. It was going to be all nations being brought together in Christ. Sure. So there's another sense where we can read that passage and go, yes, we should hate evil, and in one sense, hate that evildoers do evil, but at, at the same time, now it's, it's less about hating them personally as it is, because I, I go back to Romans 12. Yeah, well, so was my Bless those who him, persecute you. I don't think we can... So God hates sinners, I think. Right. Like Psalm 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that we have any right nor ability to hate the way God hates. So that was what I said to him, and I thought I had him. And for me, argument, arguing is like a game sometimes, so... Forgive my... No, that's fine. But yeah. Uh, I thought I had him. But he said, well, we also can't worship sinlessly. So are we not supposed to worship? Uh, which was a pretty good argument, uh, a pretty good counterpoint. Although, it's certainly not the same thing. Yeah, I'm not because sure. Because we're commanded to worship. Yeah, we're commanded to worship. I don't see any command to hate. Anyway, so the, the verse that, that he was referencing was um, Psalm 139... Uh, hmm. uh, uh, 21. Well, so let's start at 19. 139, you say? Yeah, 139, uh, verse 19, all the way to the end of the chapter, I think, is good. Uh, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? 
And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. And the, the next verses are, in, are an interesting counter to that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. Yeah, it it is certainly, it would at least be fair to say that we would desire God's justice. Well, certainly. And, and upon to, the set, to set, to set, I don't know. The ultimate caveat here is that whatever the case, the, the definition of hatred uh, that we're talking about, potentially even questioning hating someone, uh, is not the definition that is broadly accepted, you know, in modern parlance. It's not an idea of like hurt, like wanting to hurt. Some, I don't know. It's it's not a um, malicious hatred. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. That's the that's the problem. It's kind it of is, hard to it define. It is tricky. Yeah, but so I mean, just for anyone listening, it's not. The, the stage should be set by saying that if we're defining hatred, we're defining it in some way divine, in some way that gets as close to God's hatred of sin and sinners as we possibly can being sinful sinners. Right. Well, hmm. at, it is at least a reflection of Christ's view of, hmm. because David is a type of Christ. Right. This is isn't this a Psalm of David? It psalm? doesn't say in mine. Psalm uh, one thirty nine. Let me yeah, see. I don't know. Psalm one thirty nine. Yeah, it says a Psalm of David. David. Okay. So it is at least a picture of how Christ, because of his love of God's holiness mm -hmm. and his love of God's righteousness and purity, any sin is such an affront that. Revelation 19, I mean, there's a sword coming out of this dude's mouth, and he's going to slay. He treads the winepress of, of the fury of the wrath of God. Yeah, and, and, and we are going to be rejoicing, saying the smoke goes up from Babylon yeah. forever and ever. So there is a sense in which we, we look forward to the day of God's righteous judgment of right. the wicked understanding that we were the very same wicked who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ alone. Right. I still find it difficult. It, the hard part is to look at someone else, an image bearer, and to say, I hate you. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's even a... Like, even if we are to... How would you say it? Even if we are to um, um, long for God's justice in the lives of... Long for God's justice. I wonder if it's even a helpful thing to categorize the way uh, we look at mm. others as, as hatred. Even if we're trying to define hatred as as closely to, as, you know, as God's hatred towards mm. sinners, which obviously we, we can't do uh, ourselves because we're not God. So I, I wonder if it's even a helpful thing 
to again try to even categorize yeah that I, I, as hatred well he, because David does but David does but again David it's it's hard to balance the the redemptive historical perspective yeah. and also the meta narrative perspective and typological perspective of like at the one point David is the actual king right of yeah. an actual nation yes. an actual place yeah. But at the same time, he, he's typifying Christ. And how are we to reflect that? Again, it goes back to also, again, what is the clear? So we, in, we interpret right. the unclear, unclear with the clear. With the clear. Yeah. Romans 12 tells us to bless those I mean, you who find, persecute us. Yes, you find commands to love your enemy. Right. First Peter chapter 2 says that we are to um, entrust ourselves to a God, to to Him who judges justly while mm. doing good, though we may suffer yeah. for doing good. So there's there's an entrusting to the Lord that He's going to judge, though. So we don't pronounce judgment, and I think that's the tricky situation. Is often in our own hearts is us saying that we hate others. Say off of one thirty nine, is there a part of our hearts that's trying to judge them? Yeah. In a way that only God sure. can. Yep. I don't know. Again, like this is, this is pretty. Is there so what tricky? Yeah, it is tricky. So what's the um, what's the? How do you determine if something like this is descriptive versus prescriptive? I guess that's the other consideration. Hmm, that's a great question. Sometimes things are descriptive, other prescriptive. Well, because like there are definitely. Uh, sinful sentiments in the Psalms. Yes, but in this case, there's a sense in which it if I were to look at Psalm 139, it does feel, but feelings can be deceptive. <laughs> right? It sure can. It does feel prescriptive. But we'll also have to remember the whole context of the Psalm. Psalm 139 isn't supposed to be that comforting. Most people look at it as comforting. This psalm is actually, hey, God knows yeah. every dirty little secret of yours. And that's what makes verses 19 and onward shocking. Because really, David's saying, listen, I can't hide my sin. Mm. You see everything. I could go down to Sheol. I could go to the highest heights, you're there, you see me, and your works, I was fearfully wonderfully made, and you're, you know, I can't count how how many thoughts you have, right? Um, and and really, it's it's not supposed to be so much comforting as, oh, you see, and, and in the light of you see everything, he understands, one, in 19, okay, Lord, you see the wicked. Oh, man, it would be so great if you could exact judgment upon the wicked. Yeah. But at the same time, he says, whew, but please search me and know my heart, right? And, and instead of judging me, lead me in the way of everlasting. Mm. So he acknowledges that unless the Lord leads me in the way that's right, I'm going to be slain, slain with those very same wicked. Sure. So there has to be some humility. 
Well, certainly there is. And there. that's why I say, like, if we're saying hate, we're defining it certainly pretty differently than than it would be in modern parlance. But even then, I don't know if we can say we hate mm. sinners. Yeah, it's... Anyway, well, so it's, we've established, Kevin, if you're listening, you're wrong. I do not concede. <laughs> uh, and you're the worst person I know. Oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. I love you, Kevin. Mm. You're probably not listening. But uh, if you are, I love you. Either way. Even if you're not, I love you. I love you too, Kevin. This was a... And thank you, Kevin, for a fascinating discussion. Yeah, I'm sure we'll revisit it. Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Well, I think we've done it. We did it. We did the whole podcast thing. We did it. This is episode one. Episode one. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically I did a video thing last year. But well, like part of for like year. the reboot. Yeah, I, it, it wasn't. I, I don't think I'm going to do monologues anymore. I think that some guy talking to a camera is not engaging unless that person is a very well-read or talented uh, individual. Mm. And I'm not of those things. Well, I certainly hope that I have helped. Oh, for sure. Make I think our your podcast was, more interesting. Was, yeah, I mean, we had some very. I mean, even even just talking about. Oh well, for me, I think talking about the Trinity was was uh, my favorite part of the conversation, and and um, certainly beneficial to anyone listening. Mm. But that's something that wouldn't have happened if I were talking to the camera by myself, smoking a cigar, <laughs> and uh, monologuing about Marxism. Mm. As is my want. You are prone to wander. Lord, Lord I feel I it. Feel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you, dude. I love you, too. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for coming. It was an honor. Um, I'll have you back. I hope to. That would be awesome. It would be awesome. Uh, you know, going back to words that are dead in the grave. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Um, last thing. When I started the video thing, our 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 mutual uh, friend Garrett bought a sponsorship. Did he? Yeah, uh, for a year. We haven't gone. I haven't. It hasn't been a year yet. Almost. Uh, so, Garrett Maroon, the Maroon Group. Dot com or whatever. If you need, if you're in the 757 area. And you need a house. And need a house. They will take care of you. Yeah, dude. Maroon they're group. friendly. They're hospitable. I'm in the process of buying a house. Are you really? Them. Yeah. What? Yeah. Dude. Well, not buying, but I'm, I've. You're looking. I'm looking. Single and, and looking. And I've even just gone through the process of like, all right, I dude, don't, I I don't have like credit so like how can i find it and credit's a scam lord willing by sometime in march wow i hope to be in in a casa in a casa dude i had no idea you know what i think i may have i think you may have told me this that you were looking either way anyway they're wonderful we're getting off point the maroon group please you know that they are wonderful i think it's like the maroon group va.com or something like that you would know. If I'm going to uh, uh, plug their company as a sponsor, I should probably know their website, and I don't. I'm embarrassed for myself. That's okay. Is it? I, I Thank still you. love you. Thank you. I love you too. But you don't need me for validation. You have to look. No, but it helps. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm ending this thing. Okay, bye. Good night, everybody. We love you.